Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to Social Convos episode 68. Today we're going to be just following up a bit more on last week's episodes because there are so much more we wanted to cover. But Chandruk, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm hella tired, man. You can see it on my face. I smile why I like, put a facade on it. But I don't think it's different from you. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But first off, how was the experience how was the training in Corona and Ikeri? Right. It was actually quite interesting. I gotta say, enjoyed it. Um, not used to doing like consecutive long hours. So basically I, I planned for, you know, one session, but then having to take over like, okay, yeah, it, it really puts a toll on you when you're continuously busy, like two two and a half hours just to keep energy from yourself, but also from the, the participating side. But in, in general, it went pretty well. We were pleasantly surprised on participation from Ferroni, especially. We had nice, nice. Yeah, the, even the organization what, what? had relatively conservative expectations, but I gotta say Ferroni surprised. Okay. So what was the most fun part? What, what? So what's the highlight you want to share? I'll share the fun part a second, but the interesting part was being able to just step in there and present a training that you were originally supposed to do one day planned before and actually being able to make it my own. That was quite interesting. I think it's uh, the time we spent together, that way of thinking. So I, from most of the part, I was, you know, already knew what it was about. Just seeing the slide, I knew what you wanted to convey. And of course, incorporating my own experiences it. So that, that was a uh, very interesting to see. So I don't, I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> That's fun. But was it, was that your secret <laughs> plan? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. I really was down. I wasn't allowed, uh, to join it. Yeah. We're streaming live on Twitch as well. So yeah, we're finally back on Twitch this time with my channel because Diego's channel is, is for gaming purposes now. And Gregory wants to know what was surprising about Karoni. Was it the turnout or the engagement? What, both. What, actually, what both. Special? The like we had a full room, like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the space, the computer space they have there, I think it's called the hub. So it was filled. Yeah. There are some last minute oh, actions nice. too. And yeah, the, the, the engagement was pretty up there as well. They, they were like, I, I guess they were uh, a bit reserved in the beginning, but after one, two sessions, they got people with some icebreakers, got them moving. Then, then they started to engage, open up more. But I, I guess that's with any type of training. People need to feel at ease first, you know? Yeah. They need icebreakers in general. They do need icebreakers. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it was, that was a lot of fun. Not necessarily upset, but I wanted to be part of it as well. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think yeah. the, the evenings after the trainings were are the parts where you would have enjoyed as well okay. having like... yeah i think so i i 
Yeah. I need to get out of the city a little bit more as well. And then just, just back to chilling, having some dinner and some very interesting conversations to say the least. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the party that was there, I know the people and yeah, we had fun conversations in the past, but the, you know, the main issue is that we're both tired today. So we, we should definitely talk about, about that a little bit for me. I've. I think declared on the show before that I'm working on a process to go to bed before midnight. Yeah. And one of the things that happens is the NBA playoffs. So whenever there's an NBA game on, that kind of messes up my schedule because I want to watch the playoff game. In the beginning, like in the earlier rounds, I was okay with just watching the, the condensed replay of the game, mm-hmm. like the next day. But as we get into like the conference finals and the finals, I do want to watch the actual game. It, so is it like the, the yeah. hype that that's keeping you like engaged, keep keeping that interest, like seeing it live? Because I know you've been I a huge NBA like fan for years. Yeah. Yeah. It's sports. I just like sports. So, so for me, it's, it's difficult. I like, I like football games or like during the day, like the Champions League finals during the day. That's not such a big issue. But the NBA games, especially the, especially the West Coast games, they tend to start around 10 p.m., 11 p.m. local time, and they end around one o'clock. And I think the main switch is being able to turn on the television and go straight to bed. If you have that discipline, I think it, it doesn't matter. But if you're like me and you want to watch the latest Sidemen episode, just because it it got over seven and a half million views within 24 hours, you end up somewhere in the middle of the night. So I think, and yeah, I can say it's for educational purposes, but I think social media content is getting really, really good. Like it's, it's interesting to see how certain concepts kind of, it's, it's like game shows, but in a new form, it's like, okay. um, it's, it's really, it's really entertainment, entertaining. And especially if you're like, like, just like you used to be committed to like a certain actor in the past, you get mm-hmm. connected to certain YouTubers now. And it's very, very time consuming. So I'm again at this point that I have to cut down consumption time over creation time. So when you say social media is getting really good now, on, on what metric are you comparing it? Like say five years ago, if you, if you have an example, this crossover with uh, traditional actors and YouTubers, for example, is that one of them, but also the, the production? Of- so all levels, all levels, the productions, the acting, like, I mean, like social media content, like 10 years ago was very shabby acting. Like now you have actors who are like, wow, you're like, wait, you should actually have a career in entertainment, a proper career in it entertainment, but they already have a proper career in entertainment because they kind of earn more and have more jobs and more gigs than actual people who come in from the, from the regular entertainment side. Another example on production side, it's interesting to see how Mr. Beast, for instance, moves from like daily videos, which weren't always as great as they were to like just posting once a month and just going all, all with all these productions. 
Yeah, so, I've seen the the warehouse tour he got. Like, like I don't know how many acres that is, but they built complete sets within those warehouse. And he, I think he even said it for some of the projects today. It's, it's not even about the profit anymore. It's just pumping it to the max to have like a high production quality. It's, it's insane. And the crossovers, like I connected with Zach King on, on LinkedIn where he, he, I think it's, he also posts those videos on YouTube or somewhere else, but he also posts the videos on LinkedIn. And my LinkedIn feed is less cloudy. It's less like all over the place compared to other socials. So I see his content more often on, on LinkedIn. And he recently made a video with David Blaine. And if you see the production behind that video, it's... The, speaking of David Blaine, David Blaine has been making some rounds recently with his magic academy or something so it's it's kind of two worlds coming together david blade is kind of the guy who came from the traditional side but said like i want to do new stuff and not necessarily new stuff but like things that have been done like 30 years ago and nobody really committed to it after that and he coming to him coming together with Zach king who is kind of like the best online magician in the world mm -hmm. the actual best according to many the best magician in the world it's, it's insane. I'm actually, yeah, I don't want to get copyright strike, but I actually almost want to show the production behind the scenes to give an idea like how high that, that quality of production is. And these are like concepts that like budget wise, and this is also that we're kind of in, in social media space are getting confronted with. Social media budgets used to be like, oh yeah, we'll just take a photo with our phone and we'll post that online to now having like complete, complete strategies for TikTok, like the discussion yeah. on, on artists not being allowed to publish their single if it hasn't gone viral on TikTok. Like, oh, has, has that really become a thing? Like yeah, that's a testing the, the MVP, the virality of like, if it really sticks to people. Yeah. So you want to go viral on TikTok first and then actually release the song officially. Interesting. So how, how would that work? Like having a like 15, 30 second demo? I'm not sure how we're going to figure it out because I also made a commitment to for next tomorrow is June 1st. So I'm making the, the commitment again. I, I, most people haven't realized that I've been, aside from going live on Tuesday and Thursday, I've been really quiet on social media and I decided to pick it up again. I, I'm a bit concerned with picking it up because the amount of traction it gets when I am consistent, it's scary. I don't always feel like I have the infrastructure ready to respond because when you're, when you're active and that's one thing I really, I think that's really undervalued from big creators is like they get approached so often. Their DMs are like filled with people wanting to work together and do stuff together and they have to make split decisions on, should I do this? Should I do that? How am I going to do with that? And that's one of the things that like, even for me being more of an, an entrepreneur, but having to deal with the, the creative side, I know I'm spread too thin, but it's still, I'm still at all like how big creators who get like thousands of people engaging on their content tens of thousands, millions of people engaging on their corporate like, and still responding personally to some of that stuff instead of the, having bots that send a standard message out. 
I think that's, that's one of the most underrated things there is. But uh, is it that they do it on all platforms? I think most of the MLIs have a focus platform, right? Or... They have their focus platform. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Some, some of the platforms are just once a month, they post something. So it's, it's something that's one of the things we didn't discuss that in the training, I think the online home and the online traffic drivers and the optimizers. So, no. so basically one, one of the things that I think is most important when you do online marketing is having a single online home, like a single place that, you know, that space is where I convert, that space is where I can give my attention. So that could be either a Facebook page, it could be a Facebook group, it could be a WhatsApp group, it could be a WhatsApp broadcast. It it's basically where people it. can it have a high chance that you're going to get yeah, uh, a response. It's, now it's even the Discord channel. It's kind of like the online home is the, the main place where you actually interact with people and where you make your decisions on conversion. Or yeah, and everything is just and then you have the traffic home. drivers. Yeah, and then you have the traffic drivers that kind of bring in all the traffic to that specific online home. And picking that online home can be very daunting. Like for people who have like their first platform where they kind of go viral and get a million followers, it's, it feels easier, but they have to shift as well as their their audience changes a bit, but it's, it's difficult. So now that you mentioned that having a social media, let's say home headquarters, would you say website is still king or is websites overrated right now? I think it's properly rated. I think people underestimate the utilities that a website has. Like with your website, you can do everything like Facebook and TikTok give you a certain structure. You have to deal with that structure. And if you're okay with dealing with that structure and you're big enough to have like an email address or a number that people can reach out to and everybody reaches out because if they want to contact you, they reach out to that number. I don't think there's an issue. So you have to really have narrowed it down to how you want to use it. But for a website, you have so many other options, so many, it's, it's easier to give a full backstory on a website than it is on a Facebook page or on a TikTok page. It's kind of like TikTok. You could see TikTok like the, the trailers, the teasers to the action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, you know, it, it, what the weird switch is, is that we're moving from these TikTok being teasers of an actual film to having actual micro content being like, okay, you have to do this in eight seconds now. You have to do this in 15 seconds now. You have to get your point across in the least amount of time. And this is so hard for companies that want to do 15 minute infomercials because they just can't make the switch from the 15 minute infomercial to the, the 20 second video and companies that can translate it, they win instantly because they are able to grab the attention and get the best bits out and make the best bits go viral. Whereas companies that are not able to have to rely on the quality of that 15 minute, uh, infomercial. And only if that's really good, people will share it at a similar rate as the, the final one, but still a lot of people won't even watch it. Probably. So I think that's, that's different. That's definitely something that's, that's so hard. Based on that properly rating for website now, would you consider like a starting business or a young creator? Where would he, if you only had to was able to choose one platform, website, TikTok, Facebook, or let's make it easier, a website or a social media platform, if, if you had to shift a priority. 
where would you lean towards more at starting out? Starting, like, it, it completely depends on where your audience is. Like, if you are stuck or like, I want to get people to my Discord. Yeah, no, no. So that, that's why I distinguished website and in a, non, a, a social media in a platform. Gaming community, in a non-gaming community, it won't work. If you want to go to websites, I think for sure now, yeah, the reason I want a website is I want my long-form content, like my blogs on my website, especially the ones that are not type-centric. But there's an issue with my website, so I'm postponing actually posting which is kind of a shame because I feel like I want to do it there, but I want to do the Dutch content there. Whereas the English content, I can just post on Hive. So these are kind of decisions that you. Yeah. Make. And I think it's also a higher platform. barrier of entry, right? A, a social platform is the framework is there. So it's easier. Starting it's there. Facebook for, for, for the look edition show, we decided to make a Facebook group. That's, that's perfectly fine. It's much easier. We don't need a page. We need a Facebook group where we can interact, where people get the first group or share the first group. So that's interesting as well, because with that community, they share. It's something we should consider as well. Like where or what platform would the people that watch social convos most likely interact as part of a tribe or a group feel? Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I think either it, it would have, based on past engagement, it's either LinkedIn or Facebook, I think. But that's just, just, you know, taking a shot at past parents. Okay. we got one quick question here. How hard is it to grow YouTube in Suriname? Depends. Depends totally on what you want to, what your target audience is, uh, how niche is it? Are other people doing it? How good is your content? Um, yeah. how much is your content needed? I think this steps into, to the Ikigai part where we say like, and, uh, problems, fears, and yeah, the passions, problems, and fears part where you could like really love what you do, but then have a YouTube channel where you don't get any engagement because there's nobody actually interested in what you love doing. So there's always the question like, do you tap into other people's problems and other people's fear? Do you tap into something that the world needs or are you just doing some self-fulfilling Think that's important to you and not necessarily for others. I think that's, that's very, very a hard question, but I think that's the main question that you have to ask yourself. Yeah. And if I you're doing something that other people are interested in, which unfortunately often is comedy or sexually explicit content or highly debatable and uh, controversial. Yes. It's, it, people that from. gets a lot of views. Controversial. But, um, sorry. Controversies, drama, or like yeah, controversy, yeah, controversial topics. Like we we could have like a, a whole session on clickbaiting titles on YouTube. Like, how do you change your YouTube title and your YouTube thumbnail to get more views? It, yeah, it completely works. It completely well, works. There, there are <laughs> YouTubers that actually optimize for the algorithm. Like they they will within the first five minutes that the video has been published either change the thumbnail if the metrics don't immediately hit, but that that's on a different scale. And I, I think on a smaller scale, if, if you're saying how hard is it to grow YouTube and Suriname, I don't think if, if you're going to geofence it or geo target it like that, then you need to really look at what's interesting to people in Suriname that are in YouTube. But if you want to grow a YouTube channel in general, 
go topic-wise and focus on uh, on that and then experiment with the algorithm. But you'll have to constantly be consistent in creating. Have we, have we had search on, on social confos? Have we had search? We should have search the on social confos to talk about it. He actually has experimented with this now, focusing on no, English we audience. We, we didn't and have search. Definitely, because he might have some interesting takes on this. It's definitely possible. Like it, it really depends again on what are you doing? Like Mr. Beast is, I think the best example, Mr. Beast made a video while he was a teenager and he was a teenager and made a video to his future self saying like, if I haven't hit a million subscribers by then, I I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. And he has completely focused on the algorithm on how the body system, monetary system works and everything like that. Yeah, that's that's an, an issue still, Sherry. Thank you for joining in. But I disagree. Uh, I but disagree. most most creators, most creators in Suriname have already uh, figured out this glitch and are actually earning money. While some people are are earning cents, a couple of cents every day. Other people yeah, in Suriname. I, I think that, that there's a misconception on uh, making money online that we should address at some point, like, uh, we, we have in previous episodes, but an episode focused on that, addressing the misconception of earning by the view, et cetera, that the numbers are ridiculously low. Well, it depends. It depends. I had in the past month, I've had one video. If I go live, I don't, if I go live on YouTube, I don't earn quite as much, but I can actually do memberships now. So I could ask people to pay a monthly fee. So they get like a special icon behind their name when they come in the live chat and those kind of things. And I haven't looked at those things extensively yet. But if I upload a video, which is interesting to the Surinamese diaspora, then it does get, it does get quite some, some revenue compared to videos that are mainly watched by, by locals. So I think that's one of the interesting things that you have to really decide who's your, who's your target audience. If you want to get rich. If you want to make a million dollars by creating YouTube content for Surinamese, for a Surinamese audience living in Suriname, ah, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. Well, it is, it's, it's a 10 year process. Maybe you'll, you'll, you'll be able to do it in 10 years. Whereas if you focus on the Dutch or the American audience, you could reach that within two three, years, two to so, three years. Like how consistent are you with uploading content? That's, that's the most. Yeah, no, but the, the, the part I was emphasizing is like the, the ad revenue on just views because mo most creators, the majority of their content comes from like, uh, brand deals, sponsorship, etc., and not generally from the, the Google ads that's gets injected in the videos based on the amount of views. So if you're counting on that type of revenue, you'll either have to have consistently millions of views to make it worth your while and. Yeah, maybe not millions, but tens of thousands of views to make it at least worth your while. The people who make actual money from ad revenues, I have to say they're really good. Their videos are good. I don't feel bothered at all to spend 20 minutes watching their video yeah. because they're so damn good. And that takes at least three to five years. Like their shortcuts. Especially in certain categories, like, especially the comedy kind of stuff. You can go viral easier and you can go grow a little bit quicker. But like in other topics, finance, entrepreneurship, uh, sports, you have to be like really good at your craft. 
And even then, like you said, Diego, so often rely on, on brand deals. And these brand deals can be insane. I've heard stories of a million dollars yeah. for one YouTube video. Like uh, a few tens of thousands, if it's a very niche specialized topic, but that's also the access. So, yeah, and that's leveraging the audience you have, basically, if you want to start leveraging, leveraging brand deals. Yeah, editing, editing is part of the production. So I think the, the first part is, is commitment. The second part is consistency. The third part is the, yeah, the actual edit of the video. And the fourth is the optimization. We haven't talked about optimization enough. It's kind of non-existent in, in, in Suriname often because it requires a lot of effort and you don't immediately see the results. So like why spend a day or changing your YouTube video thumbnails. If you don't understand the, the reasonable investment on it. But once you do, you'll immediately see that it, it takes. Are you still here? I think you just got off. Let me see where he is. Okay, hopefully he gets reconnected in a second. But to answer your questions, yes, and do you guys I think having a good quality camera can also boost your content a little bit. I would say not as much as you think. Uh, I think the first two things that Jean-Luc mentioned on the consistency and the content type play a more important role, but good quality camera is very subjective, um, not subjective, arbitrary, because it's, it's not just camera. It's about um, setting the scene, lighting, building a set. And most of that you can already do with your phone, especially, uh, yeah, I'm not really wanting to say this, but the iPhones and the new Samsungs, like you can do amazing shit with that. So don't focus too much on the equipment, I would say, and, uh, focus more on the production. Yeah. Shandy look is coming back in a second. Yeah. And if, if you're thinking about. So if you look at my camera, for example, and John looks set up at the moment, I don't necessarily have a, it's, it's, it's just the lens is the biggest investments to create this, you know, a blurred out effect, but I have a light set up here, like right here, I have a light here and a secondary light here that creates this environment. And I deliberately put backlights in, in the background to create a sort of like warm mood. So that's, that's the way I, I'd approach it. Uh, if you got a con that helps, but if you going for a higher production quality, keep in mind, it will cost you more time, effort, and energy to set it up. But then you'll also have to set up, uh, be consistent with that. So people expect, because once you start doing that, people will continuously expect that, that level of quality in delivery, right? So. Uh, if you're going to increase production, welcome back. Yeah, that's, that's, we're talking about production quality and my internet just, just gave out. Great. And, and it's funny because I instantly think about my first interview with Chris Brogan, where we discussed the, the, the going live topic. And he was just like, if your internet is not good enough to go live, don't go live. And I was like, wait, and he was like, no, people are. They're going to leave They're It's going to be choppy and they're going to be like, ah, I don't want to watch it because people start is precious. So 
this is not good enough, you will have a cliff. And, and I think that's, that's something that, that we do have to take into consideration. This is actually right in some, some fields of, of, of productions. It's not, it, it's not a, a fact, but a dozen fields in the U.S. could make you around $8 and a dozen fields in Suriname can make you $75, but it could also make you $1 cent. I, I want people to be aware of that, that it really depends on the type of content and the niche and, and the category. Yeah, not all of those are weighted yeah. equally. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately not. If, if you, if you're in a field that a lot of people want to advertise in, you're going to get a lot of revenue. Like the finance guys, the guys that post about crypto and investing and stocks and those kind of things, their ad revenue is insane. It, it's really insane because everybody that wants to sell their program on hot. Hello. Yeah. Oh, I see you moving again. Yeah, what was that? Everybody who wants to sell their program, you got Every, to everybody who wants to sell their program on how to make money advertises on at on 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 YouTube channels that talk about how to make money. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's that's how you get it. Channels on how to make money, make the most ad revenue. It's, the, it's a funny cycle. It's a well, one one example from what I saw recently, funny that you mentioned that the finance channels. I think uh, two or three channels that I watch. There was this platform about buying fractional art. So they, they were pushing the, the art scene and an easy way to buy art to be part of that as an investment. So yeah, they, they are diversifying their reach. And they know people are very, very in a terrible economic situation at the moment. So they are trying everything. So we're just going to do it with this connection. And maybe we just should just do one over under. All right. Really underrated. Yeah. All right. Let's go with. Okay. I got one. Step counters. Overrated. Step, step counters. Are you talking about actual step counters? Yeah. So on your phone or the smartwatches that count the steps, is that overrated or underrated? Do we need it? What purpose does it serve? That's, uh, that's what I'm asking you. If you find it overrated no, or other, I think it's, I think it's for the general public. It's, it's overrated. It's not a must have. It's a nice to have. It's like, if you're really conscious about your weight, if you're really conscious about your health, if you're really conscious about setting goals for yourself, then it works. But for the average Joe, no, I don't, I don't think I don't need, I never knew how many steps I took a day. I rather take a lot of steps during the day and be proactive and not measure it mm. than actually measuring how many steps I make and being disappointed with myself. So if I need that motivation, I rather just say like, I'm going to do this every day. So for the month of June, I'm going to take out my jump rope and I'm just going to start, start jumping and every day. Are you going to make TikToks out of those jumps? Sorry? Are you going to make TikToks out of those jumps as well? No, absolutely not. I'm not going to make a TikTok. So my question for you overrated or underrated is men's, men's mental health. Men's mental health. I would say mental health in general is uh, underrated. I think it, it, it's different factors, but 
Okay, you put an explicit emphasis on men. So I, I'd say that's even more underrated, especially with how pop culture has been moving to more feminism stuff. And, you know, th th there's this constant tension between that pro-female stuff or more women in entrepreneurial positions, for, for example, but very less emphasis on the mental health part. And I think that society has basically stereotype romanticized uh, on, on that you know men generally need to be yeah they're they're, they're more stable etc but i think humans in general all share the same spectrum of emotions pain etc so we shouldn't discount it either or so underrated from the underrated yeah <laughs> okay okay on the on the topic of that if you don't mind going a bit controversial, pronouns. The when when people start putting pronouns in their names like the he, she, they are the it, they are them. Overrated or underrated? I think it's properly rated. I think both sides are like the traditional side is pushing it back because it's like really do we need this? And the progressive side is pushing over pushing it. Because if you don't over push something, we don't talk about it. And I think the discussion to talk about it is actually more important than making laws to have it a certain way. I think laws are very dangerous. Like if somebody wants a certain pronoun, if you want to respect that person, we should commit to the pronoun. If we don't want to be affiliated with that person, we don't have to engage with them. I think, I think that's, that's, you can't force somebody to engage with somebody else. You, you just can't force that. So it, this, it, sometimes I think it goes a little too far, but on the other hand, if you don't go that far, it's just going to be wiped off the table and not going to be discussed. So I think it's actually properly rated. Okay. Next one okay, for so, you. Yeah. Algorithmic stable point. <laughs> Didn't we already do this? <laughs> yeah, but I wanna I, I'm I'm actually searching for something else because there was a very interesting thread by Fitalik earlier this week where they discussed NFTs that weren't tradable. Did you get that part? Soulbound NFTs, yeah. Yeah, yeah soulbound so, NFTs. So, okay, so let's, I, let's I, think. I, Soulbound NFTs instead of maybe you have to first explain what soulbound NFTs are. Yeah, I I, I read the the blog post that Vitalik shared, and the, the, the idea basically is well, he explained it nicely. With if you're familiar with gaming, WoW, World of Warcraft, for example, Final Fantasy, for example, when you get an item, you can trade it, but the moment you equip or use it, it's bound to your character or your soul, so you can't trade it anymore. And that becomes part of your identity. And I think there's use cases for soulbound NFTs. Uh, I think Poaps, for example, can, would. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. Is this? Can you compare this to a digital form of getting a tattoo? That's one way you could put it. Yeah. Uh, granted, you can't remove tattoos from the old days, but it's it's kind of bound to you and. To no one else, you can't exchange it, you can't trade it. It's more like a proof of, yeah, that belongs to you. 
and you can already see where the issue is going to be in security and compromising wallets, et cetera. But that's a, it's a side topic, but I think there's a, a use case for soul bound NFTs, how deep it is, is yet to be explored. So at this moment, I would put it properly rated because the conversation is there around it, but I haven't seen too much pros or cons around it yet, but Question. Yes. Why would somebody steal your bachelor or master's degree? What would, how would they benefit from it? So that's the same thing with SoBot NFTs. If it's something that's registered under your name and you can't change it, what's the reason for stealing it? I, I just, or hacking it, I just don't, I, I can't grasp that. But that's from a personal perspective, of course. Yeah, no, that, that, that is a fair point, but also a good use case, yeah, for certifications. So you can make them soul bound. And yeah, why would someone compromise you just to be mean? <laughs> yeah, I, did. Uh, I quickly want to jump on, on I think I started this thing. Well, yeah, so, so a lot of Surinamese people don't want to be on camera, but then again, a lot of Surinamese people do want to be on camera. You just have to decide if. The, the topic that you want to discuss is something that they feel comfortable with. If they feel comfortable with it, trust me, they will get on camera. If they're uncomfortable, they won't. And secondly, it starts with you being open to being on camera, because I think that's also a very difficult factor. A lot of people don't want to be on their own cam themselves. And if you already have kind of that tendency to not want it, getting others to do it can be quite difficult because they can read off you as well. So I think that's, that's important. And that's something that I saw today, like the energy that you give while being in front of a camera with others alone decides whether or not they're motivated or interested to interact with you as, as well. And having done four interviews today and four lives this weekend, I can say that like most people were even like saying like, Hey, I want to talk about this. For instance, Real Madrid Champions League final, people actively want to talk about that. They have an opinion. So it's really easy to make content in that situation, especially if you're with a couple of hundred people watching the match together, it's easy to find people that want to talk, but you have to do a little bit of scouting as well. And you do have to get a little bit of people knowledge, whereas I would get into situations more often. I'm not saying that I don't get into those situations anymore, but when I started interviewing people, I would get into more situations where I didn't properly read the person beforehand. And I was self missing a little bit of self-confidence, which made people like, oh, I don't want to be interviewed. Whereas if you're confident and you've scouted beforehand and you've had eye contact, you're already kind of on their reaction. You can see if they're inviting or they're just like, no, I don't want to. If they remove their hat, don't go and try to interview them. If they lock eye contact with you, you can just walk straight up to them and ask them a question. And these are kind of like pointers that you get back to. Yeah, it's a skill you'll develop over. Yeah, but getting back to the consistency, if you consistently do it over time, you will get better. I'm not saying you will get your star at it because people who have a lot have talent will be able to do it easier than you, but you will develop that skill of knowing like who you can approach and who you can't approach for this. And I think that's for me, the scary part is 
reaching out to guests as well. I'm not still not comfortable with reaching out to guests for, for programs. I, there's kind of like this threshold for me that I still have to get over. And I'm very much aware of that. Yeah, that's, that's you and me both, but okay. One last one before we close it up from me. Let's see. Okay. I got a fun one to close it up. Souvenirs, overrated or underrated? Properly rated. I, I have certain souvenirs that I'm like, I wonder why I kept this. And there are some souvenirs that I'm really like, I'm happy that I have a memory of this. Or something that went bad. Like a lot of things from my China trip. I was in China in 2004. Mm-hmm. And I had to throw away a lot of things from that trip. Cool poster that evaporated over time. <laughs> uh, like this beautiful, it was a beautiful Chinese scroll, but I should have put a layer of protection over it or something. It, the, the way you said it, like. It, yeah, it, it's like, it's like, it started like dissolving at a certain point and. I didn't know how to protect it. So, so these are kind of things that I'm like, yeah, I really miss that souvenir. That's something that I value a lot, but I have way too much stuff. You don't want to know my office and the things that are surrounding me right now. It's yeah, it looks really clean on camera, but you have no idea what's below the surface all around here. Like, no. Okay. That's fair point. We should uh, do a show and tell one of these. these days. I've done that. You can, I'll, I'll pull up the YouTube video. Well, I, I have done that video. I don't want to ever do that again. Okay, one more for you and then we can yeah, wrap it up. I want to know whether or not you think vlogging is overrated or underrated. Vlogging in 2022. I would lean towards a bit underrated. In 2022, I'd say maybe three, three, two to three years ago, pre 2020, uh, a bit overrated, but I would say now it's a bit more underrated because as you mentioned, lots of social media content has been gone, has gone more high production and that personal touch with creators showing their, yeah, I guess, life, their process has, has been kind of lost a bit so uh yeah, we miss casey uh casey Neistat, so, so the, the 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 vlogging yeah. as it was like you know five six years ago that match for that reason i would place it in the underrated file at the moment yeah i agree so so to to connect that to, to this conversation here's the thing about vlogging especially vlog it really depends on the group you're with the only time that I actually really loved vlogging, like really enjoyed it, was in Panama. Because we were a group with six people that were all constantly vlogging. That it's fun. That it's something that you want to do, you get kind of hyped up and motivated by others to heavily interact in it. Whereas if you're going to do it by yourself, it's there are people, and I really respect those people, but even I, today, I wanted to vlog a little bit and say like, hey, we're here in Essex Stadium. We're going to be looking at the training of the national men's team for sure now. And afterwards, we're going to ask some questions. I couldn't get that out of me. I know for a fact that if there was a camera person standing down and recording me, 
I would be able to get over that hump. Whereas while I was holding the camera myself and trying to talk in the camera, I wasn't able to. For somebody who was actually flawed, that's really weird to say something like that, but it really, it really helps if you have supportive people around you. I think it's one of the most underestimated things. I think it's also a misconception. Like there are, there are cases like Casey Neistat that are like complete solo, solo creators. But like a lot of creators work with a complete team. Seth King, for instance, he talks about we. Seth King is a brand on its own. It's like a company. It's not one person. And I think that's a very interesting approach. If you really want to do it, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V is, is a brand. It's not just Gary Vaynerchuk. It's a complete production team that does everything from creating, editing to distribution. It's, it's insane how much time and effort goes into that. And I think people look at that and are like, okay, I want to do that. But they have no idea how many people are involved in that process. We're talking about a team of 10 people in some cases. And we want to do that by ourselves. And that's why it just doesn't work because in the end you break down because you're not able to, to keep up. I'd say it is doable by yourself, but you got to know what you're getting yourself into. And if, if you really want, want to do that. The only time I consistently flogged for 30 days was when I had one child and I would edit the videos between 10 o'clock at night and two o'clock in the morning, every day. That's, that's possible. But when you have two, two children and you have duties of bringing them to school, reading them stories to go to bed and you have all these other things going on in your life, committing to that on a daily basis, it gets, I can't imagine. I actually have to do it for the writing, the book writing, but I won't be able to do it at night anymore. I just don't have the energy to do that. Whereas if you're like 25 and you have no commitments, you can definitely commit to it. And that's why we're seeing a lot of young creators and young entrepreneurs that don't have the hassles of daily life that can really accelerate it. And that's something that people under underestimate as well. Yep. Make the use of your youth and lack of responsibility for a lack of a better word. But, but you have to know that when you're younger, you have more time, but you also have less experience on knowing what works and what doesn't. So that also happens. And I'm not going too deep into to the sports stuff, but I think Boston Celtics is definitely underrated. They beat out three teams that were in the conference finals for the last three years. Or the, no, actually the best from the East for the past three years. They beat all three teams. They are also considered the three best teams in the East, aside from Boston. And even if they lose this finals, I still feel they're underrated. And if they win the finals, they're heavily, heavily, heavily underrated. All right. With that, we will look forward to if they're going to win or not. When's the finals? It starts on Thursday. Yeah, okay, that's then. Uh, starting on Thursday. We'll uh, see you in a month or so what the result's going to be. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. We can close it off with that. Next week, we might have a special guest or we might not have a special guest. And uh, I think I want to keep it at that. Diego. Yeah. Be sure to tune in for episode 69 next week.
And with that, episodes, as usual, will be released on the weekends. This was Social Convo. See you next time. Goodbye.